welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Writer Rose Stokes joins me for this episode of The Divorce Social. I followed her on Twitter and she shares some brilliant articles that she writes about body positivity, leaving difficult relationships. And she also recently did a campaign to get shops and pharmacies to lower the cost of the morning after pill, which has been so amazing. And some shops have listened to her and they've done it and she's still campaigning on others. So she's a brilliant activist and kind of spokesperson as well. So it was lovely to talk to her. She's very pregnant. So I definitely appreciate the time she took. She did warn me that she might burp throughout because apparently that's one of her pregnancy symptoms. I hope she doesn't mind me saying that. Um, but we also talk about relationships, her parents' divorce and how's that affected her experience of relationships now and her ideas about marriage, which is a really interesting one. So enjoy. I am joined by Rose Stokes, freelance writer. Hello, Rose. Welcome to The Divorce Social. Hi, thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Now, how does that feel when I say welcome to The Divorce Social? It is quite funny because I have never been divorced or married, <laughs> um, but ironically, I'm recently engaged. Yeah. <laughs> so when I said to my boyfriend this morning, he was like, what we got on for the day? I was like, oh, I'm doing a podcast. He's like, oh, cool. What's it called? I was like, the divorce podcast. He was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so is there something that we should talk about? I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> Although I do have experience of divorce in that my parents are divorced. So I suppose I have a flavor of the whole 
divorce experience but yeah no funny enough when you first got in contact I was like it was maybe like a few days after I'd got engaged and I thought it was quite funny <laughs> sorry for the timing <laughs> oh no How not bad even slightly was that congrats god this I'm probably the, the least romantic person but um I think divorce is such an important thing to think about when you get engaged <laughs> Um, as in I think we're both like my partner's parents are divorced as well I think neither of us ever saw ourselves as getting married because we were both quite cynical about the idea so we're very like we don't mind talking about it it's important to recognize that it might end in divorce hopefully not but we're sort of quite comfortable talking about like divorce as an idea I guess because we've our own sort of personal experiences with it that's really good because I remember when I went into my marriage I didn't consider divorce or like anything to do with it and actually I interviewed the comedian Steve Hofstetter recently and he said don't marry someone you wouldn't be happy to divorce with and go through that process with and I think that's good advice I think that is true like I I think like at the end of the day like we hope right we hope that we won't need to but we have had some difficult conversations to establish where we stand on certain things in the event of you know things breaking down in the future obviously we don't want that to happen we're having a child together (laughs) like we really you know our intention is for things to go well but I think it's very strange experience planning a wedding or not a wedding we're getting Uh, civil partnership but when you've never really marriage has never been on the cards for you like even the engagement was very very muted (laughs) you know we've been talking about it for a long time we've talked about the logistical sides we've discussed our fears around it we both have a lot so for us it's more of a like practical decision but one that we're like trying to look into the hard parts of and not pretend that they don't exist because we have seen you know how things can unravel later and the difficulties particularly for the children so for us yeah it's funny because I just I you know people are like oh we you know how are you gonna do this and how I'm like, I don't know like probably like are you gonna wear this are you gonna have bridesmaids are you gonna have I'm just, I don't know <laughs> I've never thought about it I've never it's not something I've ever seen in my future so um possibly the most cynical bride to be but yeah I think it's important to consider divorce when making a commitment of that level like you know you have to I think de-romanticize a little bit I think that's a really healthy way to go into a marriage but that's funny because I always thought about marriage in my future and then in some ways I was pressuring myself to get married because that was always in my plan so how does it feel for you is it quite nice that you didn't have that in your plan so you can respond to it in a more present way it's a more it's unexpected um and it was a nice it was a very nice thing like we were both like oh this is nice that we've decided that we want to do this but we also both really lent towards the idea of having a civil partnership rather than a marriage I think for me like I always knew I wanted to have a baby and that was more of a priority and we found out I was pregnant before we got engaged. Congratulations, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. And um, what I did find quite funny and strange and maybe like we didn't tell anyone we got engaged for a while because we were both just sort of digesting it because it had come really out of the blue. As long as he didn't say it like during sex or something, no. it was like his mind might have been elsewhere. No, no, no. It was just a calm convo. Yeah, and then and then I got told off from friends and family members for my muted delivery of the news because I was like, oh, by the way, we're engaged. And everyone was like, what? <laughs> 
and how did you do it and how does it what's your ring like and all this sort of stuff and I was like oh yeah and then but I think to us it was really surprising because it came like maybe two months after we had announced our pregnancy and to us, the pregnancy was the big news. Like, we were like, that's huge. And, like, obviously people were really happy and reacted very positively. But there was this almost other level and dimension to saying we were engaged that I hadn't anticipated. For me, the baby's the big commitment. Like, for me, the baby's the big news. For me, the, the sort of the expectation of romance that everyone else had and the sort of... I think I was the sort of imperfect bride-to-be because I was quite pragmatic about it or something. And I think a lot of people were like, wait, this is so exciting. And this is so... And I was like, yeah, 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 no, it's exciting. But I almost think my reaction wasn't quite as, like, big as people expect it to be. And, like, I don't think that that detracts in any way from the way that I feel about him or he feels about me. I just think that maybe we approach it in a much more sort of, like you know, realistic way. And so you described yourself there as the imperfect bride to be. <laughs> Why are you imperfect? Why is this not a good way to approach marriage? Oh, I mean, way? okay, sorry. I think it is a good way to approach marriage. Like I personally this is this is the way that I think, you know, all big decisions should like uh, should I wanna steer away from shit. I think I don't judge anyone for the way that they get engaged and I, I'm really happy for everyone that sort of, you know, has their own journey with it. But for me I guess um, only in the sense that there is a a societal image, an idea of what a bride-to-be looks like and how they react and how they feel and all their excitement and that they've had this, like, you know, burning desire their whole life to walk down the aisle to wear a white dress to do all of this sort of stuff. I don't really feel any of that. And so maybe there's a disconnect between why I want to get married, which I'm very clear on, and the way that people would expect me to be talking about it, if that makes sense. So you feel imperfect sort of in society's eyes rather than in your eyes. Yeah, like I think some people would have liked me to be more um, like mushy about it or... And obviously, and also I am. I, I am privately also. I feel a lot of those things, but I think I've never been one for like tradition, for tradition's sake. But I definitely felt... A little bit like I wasn't quite fitting an expected ideal that people had. But yeah, like for us, it was a more personal thing, I think. And I was surprised at how much was expected of me when I shared the news. Even though you're talking about getting engaged, I feel a lot of I can relate to a lot of what you were saying about getting divorced in that people thought I should react to my divorce in a certain way and were sort of shocked when I didn't. So, you know, I think they thought I should be crying on the floor all the time. And obviously I was doing that at certain moments, but actually I felt quite good about it initially because, you know, the decision had finally been made and I sort of felt this like freedom and excitement for the future. And I think people wanted something else from me and uh, imagined this kind of stereotype of the divorced woman. And it sounds like people imagine from you a stereotype of the engaged woman. So it's just interesting that happens at both ends. Interesting mirroring. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've yet to read it, but Helen Thorne's book, Get Divorced, Be Happy. Like, I definitely know that the, I, I even saw it with my own parents. Like, I remember 
when my parents got divorced, my mum got this sort of new lease of life, partially because my understanding of their divorce came later, as in they hid a lot. It was all behind the scenes. So for me, when I was sort of processing it, they had done a lot of the emotional <laughs> the sort of side of things. Um, and I remember my mum was really energised. Like, you know, we lived together. I remember seeing like this whole new side of her. And I have definitely felt that way in pretty much every breakup I've ever had in my life as well. Because, you know, it takes so much emotional energy to be in a relationship that's not working. And you get so used to being in that state that you don't even notice that you're working. And I remember like when I broke up with my last big ex, which was uh, not a good relationship, to put it lightly. Um, I remember the first night I slept, I hadn't slept for months. And the first night after we broke up, I slept for 10 hours without waking up. And it was the first, you know, there was like this whole body release of like, oh my God, I don't have to try anymore. Like I don't have to be sort of, you know, like you're sitting in a boat where there's just like holes popping up everywhere and you're like, put something in that, put something in that, put something in that, and like trying to like stop yourself from sinking. And when you just say, fuck it, I'm going to sink. <laughs> You actually kind of float. Like, it's almost like you sort of suddenly are like, you know, actually, um, the relief is, is huge. And so I can totally understand that. Like, and I think that is a very normal, in fact, reaction to being a positive decision, which I think in a lot of cases, like my personal view on divorce, having, you know, sat in the sort of spectator seat, is that it, it can be a really positive thing. It doesn't have to be a sad thing. And I feel this way about breakups as well. I remember, you know, people always commiserate breakups. So if someone says, oh, you know, I've broken up with my boyfriend, I always found it really sad that no one ever said congrats <laughs> on making a decision that, I mean, assuming that you're not the injured party, obviously. <laughs> Like, or that, you know, say that it was your choice or your decision. That's a really empowering decision to make for yourself, like to choose something else, something more, to have faith that you could be happier. I think that it's a really big, positive vote and confidence in yourself. And I think that we should be able to celebrate that rather than just like pouring commiserations on people who might actually be like, I actually don't feel sad, <laughs> you know? And... Yeah, there's definitely a lot to be learned from that. Like I I certainly felt a massive release of pressure on leaving my ex. And I mean, I, I was just a happier person <laughs> in so many ways. So then to feel like I should be grieving or, or performing grief, I think it's unfair what we do to people <laughs> by having expectations on them in terms of how they feel. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny because when I said congratulations to you earlier for your pregnancy, it did remind me that, you, and we've spoken about it before and we have had the lovely Helen Thorne on the podcast, but yeah, we don't say congratulations to people when people are getting divorced or have left a difficult relationship. And it is like, in some way, it's harder than getting engaged. Oh, yeah. Not in some, I was going to say in some ways, but no, it just is harder than getting engaged. And I do think it's funny. I mean, obviously, I'm very pleased for you that you're engaged and having a baby. Thank you. But <laughs> in some ways, getting engaged is, you know, there's two of you in that decision and you have to get to a certain place in your life to do it and getting pregnant is you know in some respects also out of your hands because the biology has to do its thing as well as you kind of helping it along but divorce is very much 
you know, a lot of the time not out of your hands unless it's a complete shock to you. But then you still, even if it is a complete shock, you still then have to go through the process of actually Mm. doing it and all the paperwork. So actually divorce is the one sort of life thing that you have the most control over, even if not initially. So it is funny that we don't say congratulations for that when we say congratulations for the other things that are more sort of, I don't know, biological or... Also socially accepted, like in terms of the scripts that we give to women particularly about, you know, the way that their lives should look. Like I personally actually will say that getting engaged was quite a hard decision for both of us, but purely from the perspective of really owning the decision. And we didn't want to look beyond the potential difficulties that that decision might make, I think. What I see is a a lot of people maybe getting engaged and getting carried away with the romantic side of things and then sort of forgetting about the practical side. Like I think for us, I say it was difficult. I don't mean because I didn't want it. I mean, because we really wanted to make sure that we were making the decision for the right reasons. And we wanted to like, it was a conversation that went on for multiple months. The process of being more considerate or more more considered in making the engagement decision reflects our appreciation of that, that we wanted to be mindful that our whole bodies and minds were in alignment with the decision. This is what we wanted to do, that it wasn't just because, you know, we're having a baby or because everyone expects that of you or because of, you know, we wanted to be really, really sure. So I do, in that respect, feel more confident about us um, because we've had a lot of the difficult conversations or like we've at least introduced the difficult ideas and both come to the conclusion that, yes, in spite of this and, you know, any potential things that could go wrong we still want to do it so I feel like that for me is in a way more romantic but that again I'm I I sort of I realize I'm a bit atypical or atraditional in that respect yeah I wish I entered into my engagement like it sounds like you are because I think I was just like yes finally I got the ring let's get married and I didn't sort of think through the ramifications of getting married and we have talked before on the podcast about the fact that we feel like all a lot of divorced people that I've spoken to feel like that everyone getting engaged should have like a session on divorce as part of the like marriage process Because, you know, I wish I knew, I don't think it would have necessarily changed my decision, but I wish I knew some of the things about divorce that I know now when I entered into it. I think, I mean, I suppose having divorced parents is almost like a session on divorce, like as in, because both of us have divorced parents and remarried and again, divorced parents, like we um, were both quite clued up on it, I suppose. And there's a part of your brain that just wants to go, no, just be romantic and stop talking about hard stuff because this is all really nice and why are you making it difficult? And I and especially because I'm pregnant and, you know, carrying this child, like some of it, sometimes I did feel upset by even the notion of talking about separation when we're growing a child together, like is is quite upsetting, but I'm I'm glad that we're doing it because it's enabling me to feel like we're really entering into this massive commitment (laughs) with our eyes open, understanding everything that we're agreeing to. Um, and we still want to do it, is the thing, right? So for me, I'm quite a practical, pragmatic person in many ways. And I guess for me, that is my reassurance. And, you know, and again, you know, understanding that maybe it won't work, but promising each other more than anything that we will respect each other in whatever process comes along and that we will always try 
and listen to the other person I think is that you know we're changing our vows again they're going to be very different to like what you'd imagine but for us it's like you know I will always try and meet you where you are and hear what you're saying I will always try and support you in getting what you want and I hope that that's something that we managed to continue. So I wanted to ask you how your because you've mentioned your parents divorce and that kind of informing this decision you know and discussing when you got engaged how do you think your parents' divorce affected you and what did they do well? Because I know a lot of parents who are getting divorced listen to the podcast. So I think there's two there's two separate parts that I'll... So for me, I was 16, which means that I was at the stage in my life where I was sort of starting to think about relationships and what they were like. But I had not noticed that my parents' relationship was not what you might expect a healthy marriage to look like. So for me, the biggest difficulty or the biggest challenge was that it was a complete shock. I had no idea that it was happening. And when they announced it, uh, so it was, they announced it on, it was around about their 30th wedding anniversary. Um, and they sort of sat us all down, me and my brothers, and I was the youngest. And they had had this idea that they would wait until we got to a certain age or like when they were hoping that we could wait until we'd all left school. Um, But for various reasons, they um, pushed into I was 16 and I was just floored by it. It had just never crossed my mind that there was anything wrong because my parents didn't argue. They didn't have blowout rows. You know, I'd never see them touching each other, really. But I didn't know that that was a thing that parents did because that was, you know, my blueprint for relationships with my parents. I had no other information to enable me to look in a critical manner at the way that they were together. My brothers were older, though, and they were both sort of more like, oh, yeah, okay, not a surprise. So for me, the biggest difficulty or the biggest hurdle, which has followed me around a bit since, and is something that I've I've worked on a lot in therapy, was this idea that things can go wrong and you have no idea. that Like, that there's this sort of unexpected element for me, because my perception of it was that everything was great, on Saturday and on Sunday, my whole world blew apart. And obviously, that's not what happened. Like, it was years in the making. So from my perspective, that was the biggest challenge. And it's definitely because it was such a formative time in terms of my relationships. It's definitely something I then carried into relationships that I had this intense fear that one day someone could just wake up and say, I don't want to be with you anymore. Which was a very juvenile understanding of a very complex breakdown of a marriage, right? And that's something that I've had to try and unlearn as I get older, that sort of fear of things ending without warning. It's not really related. I mean, obviously, it is related to the to the divorce element, but, you know, it could have been the same had the news been about something else. Like, you know, I, for me, it was the shock value. What my parents did fantastically well is that they both really respected each other. They really liked each other. They were very much like you know, we're friends. I think they said to us at the time, you know, we feel more like brother and sister, which in hindsight is a bit weird. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, like it, it was, um, that was their sort of trying to explain how the relationship had changed. And they held that respect for each other the whole way through. They kept this, and it took me, obviously, as you get older, you start to appreciate your parents more when you start understanding the difficulties that they went through. Like one thing that I've definitely come to think is really amazing is the fact that they never, ever disclosed the ins and outs of what went down. 
when I have asked my, my mum in the past, like, oh, you know what? Um, she said, that's not any of your business. Like that's between me and your father. You have a relationship with your father. I have a relationship with your father. Like they're separate things. And I, and I don't want anything. Like she doesn't want anything that she went through to colour my opinion of my father and vice versa. So they've kept this sort of real sacred like bond of never really disclosing uh, to us um, the ins and outs of their relationship, which I think actually as an adult, I now think is very helpful because I've seen examples where that hasn't been the case and where I have friends whose parents might have, you know, involved them. There might have been tugs of war. There might have been a sort of emotional bargaining between, uh oh, which one of my parents is the bad one and all of that sort of stuff. Like we didn't have any of that. And I feel very grateful. And because of that, my parents stayed friends, like, and, you know, they'd check in with each other. And, you know, I remember at my graduation, my dad was there with his new wife. My mum was there, I think with her partner. My grandfather was there, who my mum stayed, you know, in contact with until he was, until he died. Then my brothers and whatever. And I remember one of my tutors being like, wow, your family's pretty cool. (laughs) Um, I will caveat that by saying that because they are pragmatic. I think you'll probably understand a bit more about me from understanding they, they uh, and the fact that they had taken quite a long time to arrive at this decision. There was no, based on what I know, massively injured party. And that makes this whole thing much easier. <laughs> I think when, when someone's in pain, it clouds your judgment. It, people maybe want to get revenge and stuff. There was just none of that. So we're very lucky in a way it was a textbook like, what, how could, how well could a divorce go? It's not to say that it didn't affect me, but I have so much respect and I'm so grateful to my parents for the way that they did it and the respect that they showed each other and uh, how highly they spoke of each other throughout the whole thing, I think was really... And, and that's not to say I have no idea what the conversations they had with their friends or behind their, each other's back, or maybe they had like, you know, maybe it was completely different. That to the, but, but from my perspective, my opinion of either of my parents was never clouded by the other one's judgment so that was really I really appreciate that yeah I mean obviously it takes two to tango so some people would love that and the other party doesn't want to get involved in that but it sounds like you know both of them made this decision to be really respectful and I know you said you don't know what they could have done differently about that surprise factor for you but do you think you know, did they sit down with you and say, this is taken, you know, we've been thinking about this for a long time and discussing it and... Yeah, but by the point of which we were introduced to the conversation, it was, decision was made. It was yeah. like, we've actually initiated the degree nice or whatever. Your mum's looking at houses, like, or my mum then very quickly looked at houses. Like, it was very, like, decision was made it's not open for discussion obviously it's none of my business anyway but as a teenager maybe I would have felt like it was so there are good sides and bad sides to that one is that it wasn't messy they told us in August and my mum and I moved out in November and we moved down the road and then there was this sort of two years of me living down the road and we had to change the the way that I interacted with my dad obviously I had to go and see him and visit him or whatever but um it was clean is the way I would describe it but obviously, sometimes I think maybe had I been able to, I don't know, it's a very difficult one because I don't know if I was emotionally mature enough to have been able to look at them as individuals rather than my parents and to have enough self-awareness to be able to remove myself from from what they were going through. But I guess maybe there is benefit in having a sort of 
you know, in the way that for them, the slow realized sort of creeping realization that this was you know and the slow conversations they had made it meant that by the time it came it was a lot easier for both of them maybe that could have benefited me but then maybe I would have felt too involved in something that wasn't really any of my business so it's 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 a really difficult one to strike and I and I don't envy people and I think you're completely right there are many people that would love to have you know a divorce like that and I don't I don't want to show off about my parents divorce which is a weird thing to say. <laughs> that is a weird thing to say please do if you feel like you want to please no because I'm sure that they you know no one's perfect and there's them the, they were sort of working it out as they went along no but it is it is nice to hear from a child's perspective a divorce that didn't sort of damage them irrevocably. Yeah, I mean, the, this whole sort of fear of relationships ending thing was a big thing that I had to, that I and I still, you know, battle with sometimes, but I, I don't blame them for that. I don't think that that's their fault. And that's something that I've been able to address with like therapy and what have you. But I just can see exactly why now, like, you know, it's been, I don't know how old am I now, so... Oh, it's been ages, like probably almost coming up for 20 years since they've been divorced. And so I know them both as people now rather than as my parents. And I can see exactly why it was the right decision. And I can see how they flourished individually because of that. You know, my my dad's gone and done something like lived his life in a way that my mum would never have wanted to. And, you know, they are flourishing as people, I think, and they have done in a way that they couldn't have done together. So... I think watching your parents be happy is is a really it's a really good example like and actually what I learned from that was probably that sometimes you might have to make a difficult decision but if you're choosing your happiness then that's not necessarily a bad thing and I think you know that's what an amazing what an amazing example to have learned from my parents that you know being happy is really important rather than sticking through with a commitment you made 20 years ago or whatever for the sake of other people I think for me you know that that's a really it's a learning moment that's something that I that I have definitely adopted in my own life and I think it's given me courage to leave relationships too because I've seen it and actually I remember when I left my last relationship for the first time in a while my parents were in a whatsapp group together with me (laughs) Um, and they kind of coached me through it (laughs) Um, like one of them picking up on the more, more like practical issues of how we're going to move this stuff and, and like getting furniture and stuff and the other one kind of taking the emotional side and I feel very grateful that I had that example in my life because I think I've also have you know no people in my life whose parents stayed together and resent each other and I think that that can be far more damaging to your understanding of your own life and the joy that you are able to access than perhaps. Although again, I don't criticize anyone for doing that and everyone's different. This is just, I'm just specifically talking about, you know, in, our, in my what I appreciate in my own situation. Yeah, no, that's really useful to hear. And I, I can totally relate. My parents separated and seeing my mum get happier and flourish, as you called it, has been so nice. So I can totally relate to that of like, she's happier, so I'm happier you know, because of that. You know, I think that's a true mark of love, isn't it? Like, you know, I I would much rather my parents be happier than stay together for any sort of selfish reason. Like when I was a teenager, yeah, I resented my friends. I Quite unusually, actually, I didn't really have any friends who said whose parents were divorced and I resented more than anything. The only thing I will say I still resent at the age of 34 is the admin that comes with having separated parents. <laughs> <laughs> because you have to have two WhatsApp groups with different people in them and two Christmas 
Christmases and two birthdays and two everything. And like, whenever you announce something, you have to have two different, you know what I mean? Like that, that stuff is sometimes I look at my friends and I think, my God, if I could just have one Christmas or like, because my partner's parents are separated, it doubles the amount of time that you're sort of, but I love everyone in my life. I love my parents. I love the new people that have come in. I love my partner's parents. I love their partners. I love actually expanding your family is a really nice thing because there's new people that have come in that we wouldn't have otherwise met. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's the ad break. So it's a perfect time to remind you to hit subscribe to be notified about more episodes. You can also leave us a lovely review because honestly, it makes a difference to the chart positions. And one time I was in the charts next to Michelle Obama and I was really thrilled about it. So it'd be nice to do that again. Uh, You can also join in the conversation on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod. We have a website thedivorcesocial.com and you can also join us for our like 90s style divorce chat room experience over on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines, B-A-I-N-E-S and it starts at £2 a month and we all have lovely and awful and amazing chats. See you there. And I I wanted to talk to you about the bad relationship that you left because I know you've written about it a lot and I think it'd be really useful for anyone who feels in a similar situation to hear how you kind of maybe made that decision and then the recovery process of that I mean the relationship was a car crash from the beginning I would say (laughs) it was definitely one of those ones that Again, I, and I think almost uh, this might help understand me and my current relationship. Uh, there was it was heavy on romance or this idea that romance prevails over all other elements. And you know, if something's painful or something's difficult, but we love each other, or this is romance, this is how it is. Like, and this sort of 
dramatic oscillating between like highs and lows and highs and lows and um and describing it as romance i had a very in that relationship in particular i had very clear physical and emotional markers that something was going very wrong i was like started having loads of panic attacks all the time that i tried to medicate my way out of i started losing lots of weight i started diet to try and keep my partner happy there was lots of things that were going from the outside i changed dramatically in the way i looked and the way i acted and my confidence levels and i did everything i could to try and fix those things which i blamed myself for before looking at the relationship and wondering whether it was causing them i think i had grown up with this view for some reason that i couldn't do relationships there was something wrong with me that other people can do them but i could never relax into them partly because of this fear of endings and so i was much more ready to scrutinize myself for my own failed failures and flaws than i was to look at the relationship i was also later in my life when i started dating this person and therefore i was like everyone else really aware of my biological clock everyone around was getting married having kids like all of that sort of stuff and i had convinced myself this was my ticket right to get that life but the sort of peaks and troughs became more dramatic i was you know i've always been someone that performs well at work i was not able to because i was having crippling panic attacks all the time and i think when you are in a relationship that's clearly not working and um, where there are things that are very not healthy that are happening you can sometimes get into a logic where you explain it away by saying well this is our relationship and no one else understands how our relationship works and whatever i also didn't tell anyone what was happening inside my relationship and um i think for me the blessing in disguise is that something happened that my friend saw my best friend who's known me my whole life she was there and she witnessed it and once she had witnessed something bad happen i then couldn't ignore it <laughs> um because there was a witness then um and it and so the end came in a sort of spiral after that because having someone say hey that didn't look like a very good thing um has that happened before and sort of someone that knows me this is my best friend i've known uh, actually since our mums were pregnant together we were born six days apart so she knows me better than anyone sort of starting to piece together some bits and pieces and and um be concerned actually i left my ex actually out of love for my best friend this sounds really weird because she then started to get really upset at how i was treating myself and her love for me and her her desire for me to be happy when i couldn't feel that for myself i kind of substituted it but in terms of um how i left i just couldn't survive anymore i was not sleeping i was not eating I was not talking to lots of friends, I was not being able to work. I was not like it was it was just that dramatic that many people might have been able to pick up the warning signs earlier. Hopefully in the future I will because I've learned my lesson, but you know it it, it kind of blew up in my face at the point where like it could no longer go on. <laughs> And so in that sense it was a sort of very clear like I hit rock bottom. I was like I can't I can't go on. I had like a mental breakdown. It was just bad. But I think the thing for me was I just sort of had this like at some point I had this like a vision in my head of the future and I and I couldn't imagine myself happy in any of the situations that I was in and that for me was like 
you know, I, I'm, 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 if, if I'm choosing between a big fat question mark and definitely unhappy, then I'd rather choose the question mark because who knows where that's going to go, but at least that could lead in a good direction. And that's where I felt my choices were at that point. And it it was difficult because by that point I was again older, like not many of my friends were single. And actually it was at the point in my life where everyone was getting married. So there was sort of this massive disconnect between me and other people around me that I found quite difficult but the further I got away from it my health started rebounding a little bit I mean obviously things got worse before they got better but I I started to be able to see that even if I was never even if I was not going to meet anyone even if I was going to be on my own forever that was a better choice or that was a better option than being miserable forever and also I kind of had this flash forward in my head of like you know if I have kids and I'm this miserable and they see me this horrible, like, you know, hating myself in this horrible situation, then they're going to learn. What are they going to learn from me? Like, what kind of example am I going to set? So I sort of decided to choose the question mark. Um, And I'm really glad I did, uh, because it took me on a really long, like, journey of trying to understand my relationship with relationships um, and the reverence that I held for them over anything else and where that came from and tried to deconstruct my fear of being on my own and all of these things were such positive realizations for me and and led me into really positive paths that um, I kind of just kept following it (laughs) and you know like I think the thing is is that I wasn't instantly happy but I knew that happiness was possible And that felt more exciting than the alternative. (laughs) Wow, like, thank you for sharing that. And do you think there was, can you remember anything practical you did as part of your recovery? Like what really helped you? Was it friends or therapy or? Therapy, definitely. I I remember I had been in therapy, but guess what? I'd been lying to my therapist as well about my relationship. And I remember writing a letter to my therapist. I stopped therapy and been like, okay, look, I'm magic, like I'm fixed or whatever. And I wrote a letter to my therapist like a couple months later saying, okay, I want to come back, but this is what you need to know. Like, this is the real story. And um, went back into therapy and having that sort of, like, I really got to the point where I was like, things can't get worse, but maybe they can get better. And I don't want to keep spiraling back into these like chaotic cycles um so you know and every time I had I had been living in a very boom and bust way my whole life um and I kind of wanted to get to the stage where things were a little bit more consistent so that I mean I have the best best friend in the world like she's I just I can't even talk about her because I'll cry um but she was just my north star because I completely lost sense of who I was And she had a very confident idea of who I was. She was like my cheerleader the whole way. I think, what other things? I really got into exercise, which helped me a lot to give me some routine. I think because the biggest thing when you come out of a relationship, I think, is the time you have. (laughs) All of a sudden. Yes. Yeah. I can relate to that. Like what am I? What am I going to do with all this time? Yeah, I mean, I had I had moved jobs recently into a more a job that had a lot of travel and stuff, so I had a lot of distraction. I did drink too much, definitely in those days. So that's something that I regret. But again, you know, 
I, it was, it's not a period of my life that I like to think much about. I was very miserable for a long time, but it sounds really banal, but just putting one foot in front of the other, I think, unfortunately, you can't fast forward through the bad stuff and the heartache and the difficulty because then you don't get the lessons. <laughs> um, and I know I was sort of sometimes people do do that or they like, you know, throw themselves into the next relationship. For me, it was much more about, okay, this has gone really wrong. Why did it go wrong? And accepting my role in why it went wrong and understanding that basically that I had allowed myself to be in such a bad relationship because I had zero self-esteem and I didn't think I deserved anything better and therefore making building my self-esteem a goal and deciding that you know okay well how do I stop this from happening again well if I start thinking more of myself then maybe I'll accept like less bad stuff (laughs) and then maybe less bad stuff will happen and I will you know so for me that became like a focus this sort of rebuilding it was like I my, my it was like a like a buckaroo like you know like after the everything falls on the floor but I was like okay I don't want to put it back in the way that it was before like I want to rebuild in a way that's different to where everything was when it exploded and sort of but thinking really carefully with every piece that I was putting back in being like do I want this to be in that place don't want to be different or do I like sort of um and it, and and I'm and and the unsexy sort of answer unromantic or un you know is it takes a lot of time it really does it took me a long time but i feel very very confident and that you know i'm currently in the happiest most wonderful relationship beyond what i ever imagined could be possible and i don't say that to to show off or whatever i say that because i didn't i just didn't think that was something that was going to happen for me or that i was going to be allowed to have um and I don't think I could have found it if I hadn't learned that I deserved it. <laughs> and that was my big challenge was understanding, you know, what is possible, what's available when you start to think that you deserve good things. That's so nice to hear. I'm so glad after all of that. <laughs> I'm presenting this as if it's like an end of story. Like, obviously, you know, we've got the rest of our lives ahead of us and there's so many more lessons. But, you know, that that period of my life was very instructive and I learned a lot and I'm glad I did because I think it will help me be a better mother, help me be a better partner. It's helped prepare me for the challenges ahead. But obviously, unforeseen, unforeseen's like, you know, who knows what's going to happen. But I think, um, and I don't want to present this as my happy ending because we all know that's bullshit. So, but it's it's my happy beginning, my happy new beginning, my happy, happy start. end of part one. Like that's what it is. Maybe, yeah. Happy new chapter. Oh well, thank yeah. you so much for sharing your story with us. It's been so nice to hear, and so I think I feel like I've related to so much of it, even though you're not divorced, as we said at the beginning. But <laughs> yeah. you definitely have a lot of experience of the breakup and divorce. And it sounds like you've put them all into your kind of toolbox. And now, you know, you've got a full toolbox for the future, which sounds very positive. We'll see. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Where can people uh, follow you and find out more about you and read all your um, glorious articles? (laughs) Um, Well, I am on Twitter and Instagram at Rose Stokes, all in one word. 
And I'm my website, which has got my portfolio when I remember to update it, is rosestokes.co.uk. So they're probably the best places to find and like new work I share on my social media. So yeah. Amazing. Well, I really enjoy reading all your articles as they come out. So definitely everyone should check them out. Thank you so much. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you for having me. It's been so wonderful. And um, yeah, I look forward to listening to future episodes. Thanks. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, It would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, But also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com, and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month. And it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90s-style divorce and heartbreak chat room. And there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast, and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines. And please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.